So, Daniel. Yes, sir. As you know, I am one of the preeminent philosophers of our time. Renowned as such. Yes. I am to philosophy what a philosophy degree is to your resume. Oh, okay. So, I have a philosophical question for you. Okay. As I have been pondering and pondering and coming up with quandaries that are deep and interesting. Yes. You are... Foundational to modern life. That's right. You are offered the chance to take over a famous media property okay that in the past people have tried and failed to take over and has destroyed their careers really okay you are uncertain of your ability to take over this property but you think you might be able to do it do you say yes or not Hmm. Mm. Boy. Yes. Are we assuming for the sake of this quandary that this is a media property that I deeply love? Mm. Let's say it is one with which you are familiar and there are parts of it you have enjoyed in the past. It's one that I know I could get rich if I do it right. Yes. If you do it right, you could get rich. Okay. If you do it poorly... My career is over. Your career is over. Or would you rather go this way? It is something you deeply love. Okay. But you don't think you're a good match for it. Mm, How about that? That's a anyway. better one. That's, that's, that, if you do those it, are right, two very different they, questions. Yeah, let's go that one. It's more philosophically interesting. It is okay. a property you deeply love. You are I worried you're a bad a match, match for, it. for it. If you do it right, you will be fantastically wealthy. If you do it poorly, you will have messed up something that you deeply love. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's a little wow. closer to the heart on that one. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Because in the first one, you probably just say yes, right? In the first one, I probably would end up just saying yes. yes. But now we are running the risk of destroying a beloved thing. Right. Instead of something that's already been destroyed by other people, yeah. you have to be mm-hmm. the one to decide if you are okay. going to accidentally destroy the thing that so you might love. So the example that leaps immediately to mind, mm-hmm. and I evangelize this constantly on this show, and so I apologize yeah. for mentioning it again, my favorite TV show, Dairy Girls. Yes. Absolutely love Dairy Girls. Mm-hmm. It is not a show that has destroyed anyone's career in the past, yes. but... It is a show that I love immensely mm-hmm. and that I would be horrific at writing or producing. There right? you go. I don't have the TV background for it. Yep. I am not a teenage girl in Ireland. Mm-hmm. I have only been to Ireland once. Like, I would not be the right fit for this at all. So, oof. but that said, it's a show that's done. They got mm-hmm. their three seasons. Yep. They went out on an extremely high note. They say, we're going to do another season no matter what. E- yeah. If you say no, someone else will if do I it. If I say no, someone else will do it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's also a beloved property. It's one of the most popular shows on Channel 4 for a long time. It's a stretch to say that it would make me fabulously wealthy, but... Mm-hmm. We'll just pretend that it will. Oh, man. That is a case where I would try to finagle some way of being involved without being responsible. Oh. <laughs> but if that's not possible... Oh, you could... You could that's oh a legit... This is a mm-hmm. what-if philosophical quandary. I yeah. have to let you be able to answer with the wiggle room. If what you're... Is you say, I say yes, I tell them to do a great job, and then you call one of your friends in Hollywood who you think is a much <laughs> better fit, and you say, they just gave this to me. I need to give it to you. Leave me as an executive producer. We good? 
Yeah, see, and the yeah. trouble is, mm -hmm. despite most of my film and Hollywood mm -hmm. contacts also being Irish, I don't know if any of them are great fits for Dairy Girls either. You say, come on as my co-executive producer and we will find a showrunner who knows what they're doing. somebody else to do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the answer, right? That uh -huh. feels like a cop-out answer because it removes the core quandary of, mm -hmm. do I risk destroying a thing that I love? Yeah, but I uh, suppose even resurrecting mm -hmm. something that already went out with a bang runs the risk of destroying it, yeah. regardless of how good it could be, right? Mm -hmm. Boy, yeah. It would be hard. If I could find a way to get people I trust to do it, mm -hmm. you know, frankly, just going to the original creator and saying, hey, do you want to do this thing? I'm going to guess that they said no since- They would have to have said no if for some reason they've offered it to me, yeah. right? But Boy. who knows? Maybe they're like, oh, we always hated that person. Yeah. What we really want is we want more, you know, Dan Wells edge. Yeah, we want mm -hmm. Dairy Girls meets Serial Killer. Yep. Oh, I, ah. That's what they're expecting. It is a, it's a painful question. Mm. What, what, what is your answer to this question? So I... What is your... Here, here's the thing. I can say no because I don't need any money. Right. Yeah. So I was in this position, except I did think I was a good match for the property. Mm -hmm. The reason the question comes to me is people, you know, they always ask me because I finished Wheel of Time, would you finish this? Would you finish this? Would you finish this? Right. Mm -hmm. Like someone once asked me, would you finish, you know, let's say Terry Pratchett has an unfinished manuscript. I'm a bad match for that. Right. Yeah. It is one of my favorite media properties of all time. In fact, it's my favorite book series. Yeah. Would I say yes? I would say no to that. Mm -hmm. But Imagine that I'm poor and that pays a lot and maybe I give a different answer, yeah. right? I definitely have been in the position to say no to that kind of question Yeah, without giving any details about anything because mm -hmm. I knew I was a bad fit for it. Where somebody said, would you like to you know, write more in or finish or even just oversee the finishing of this book series and had to admit, you know what? I'm not the right person for that. Despite it being work that I love. Mm. So, yeah. The number one that always pops up on Reddit is, oh, hand um, Game of Thrones to Brandon, which... You would is, not be the right person. I would not be the right person for just a whole host of reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's also, that's a little insensitive, right? Yeah. Like, even asking that question or talking about that is a bit insulting to George. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's insulting to ask what would happen to this beloved property if the author were to pass away. Yeah. But to be in a thread and say, oh, just give it to Brandon. Take it away from yeah. the creator mm -hmm. who is yeah. still alive and still working yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah, that is very mm -hmm. insulting. But, you know, we have seen, for example, season three of Picard shows how well the right showrunner can yeah, I've step heard in that that is really good. absolutely write a sinking ship. Mm. and really hit it out of the park because he was the right person for the job. I mean, I've heard just amazing things about so good. season three of Picard. It's so. So, there, there's one sequence in it where I was like, okay, the fan service has gone well over the top for me. But other than that, for the most part, okay. I have quibbles, Okay, but genuinely it's wonderful. I might someday watch it. Then I will spoil nothing. Mm. 
All right. So today we are actually talking again about media, but not a specific property, instead a genre. genre. A We're genre. talking about one of my all-time favorite genres, which is cyberpunk. Yes. We've never, as far as I'm aware, we've never talked about cyberpunk. Not in depth. I don't believe. If we have, it's Scar's fault, because he's now here to keep us keep <laughs> us on the... the I the like curve. having someone we can just blame stuff Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that part of his actual job description? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually Kellen's job is to be blamed for things, okay. but she's the scape troll. Oh. Is what she's been dubbed. She's, Very nice. Uh, but anyway, cyberpunk. cyberpunk. Why do you love cyberpunk? Oh, man. I want to say, first of all, that I have not played the video game cyberpunk. Okay. And I am deeply upset that it's called cyberpunk because that makes it impossible to, like, search for any other cyberpunk stuff on the internet because mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, you must mean the actual proper name of this property? No, I don't. I'm trying to find something else. It's like if someone put out a book called Science Fiction and then it was the biggest science fiction property mm-hmm. and then it became hard to find anything else. I think it's a dumb name. Come up with a better name. But here's the thing. There is a <laughs> history in cyberpunk of naming things cyberpunk. There is, absolutely. And when the game by CD Projekt Red was announced, I thought it was an update of a previous media property. I was wrong, I believe. But I thought it was like, oh, they bought the rights to that game. To that thing. And they're going to do that thing. There was like a card game called Cyberpunk This. And there was like a- There was a role-playing game game called called Cyberpunk This. The name itself, the word Cyberpunk, comes from a short story way back in- Early enough that it might have been late 70s rather than early 80s. And even that wasn't the first cyberpunk story. It was just the guy who coined the phrase. So which story is that? Do you remember? It's a really short story that I actually haven't even read. Okay. Despite my love of the genre. I'm a poor historian of it. Okay. So I enjoy cyberpunk, but I would not consider myself like a cyberpunk expert. Mm -hmm. Right? The first cyberpunk book I ever read was Snow Crash. Because of Ben, right? It's one yeah. of Ben's favorite books. He's like, mm-hmm. you got to read Snow Crash. And this was early 2000s, late 90s, somewhere around yeah. there. He, he's the one that got me to read mm-hmm. Snow Crash as well. And the thing is, I don't even know. Cyberpunk people, maybe you can tell me. I know that they tend to get very persnickety about what is true cyberpunk and what's post-cyberpunk and what's... I think that's a pretty small subset okay. of, of the fandom. Because punk in general... Like when you just start talking about punk as a music wave, as a fashion wave, it is deeply ingrained in a very particular time and place. Yes. And so anything that uses punk as a suffix, there are people who apply those same rules to it. That makes sense. That explains why. Because I've been told you can't call something modern cyberpunk. Cyberpunk ended in like the late 80s, early 90s, and now it's become a different thing. It's like calling something that's contemporary modernist, where modernist is a specific time period. Yeah. And frankly, modern as as an art style and an architectural Mm -hmm. style is also a stupid name because it became obsolete almost instantly and made it hard for anyone to talk about stuff that's happened since then. There's totally going to be people who are like, no, if it's not written in the 80s or whatever, it's not Mm -hmm. cyberpunk. And I don't want to come out and say they're wrong because no one's in charge of what words mean. Yeah. But they're wrong. In um, your opinion, it is all still yeah. cyberpunk. It is like a- cyberpunk is a very useful label for that genre that is still trying to it would tell be those like same saying kinds of stories. You can't write space opera anymore because it's no longer the golden age of science fiction. 
Or worse, yeah. it'd be like saying, you can't call it fantasy. This is post-fantasy mm-hmm. because you're no longer dealing with elves and dwarves and trying to mimic Tolkien. You're at something completely different. I mean, I would quibble there. Is what we're here to do. Fantasy is a larger, it's like science fiction. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk is a subset of science fiction. It's a subgenre. Yeah. So, but I, mean, I agree with you. Yes. I, I agree but. with you. I think I'm glad to hear this because it simplifies things so much. Mm-hmm. Having to decide where the line is. Now, tell me this. I have heard arguments in the same arguments about cyberpunk that something like The Matrix doesn't count as cyberpunk because it doesn't hit a lot of the major themes of cyberpunk, such as corporations controlling everything and the privatization of mm-hmm. too many things and the underground, you know, living in squalor sort of thing doesn't really exist, except it does in the real world. And anyway, yeah. I've heard arguments that the Matrix is like the dividing line. They say if, if it's the Matrix and beyond, that's not cyberpunk. Yeah. Where are um, you on that? Uh, it's a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would probably still count it. Okay. Because it is fundamentally a story about people who are living in squalor and jack into a virtual reality. The world yeah. is controlled by AI. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have some of those things like privatization mm-hmm. and, and that, but I think it hits enough of the right notes. I also think it approaches those ideas from a very different angle than typical cyberpunk does which might be why people don't want to count it but should we define cyberpunk because we're talking about it (laughs) what counts and what doesn't but we haven't really said we haven't really said Mm -hmm. and part of the problem is cyberpunk is one of those i know it when i see it kind of things Mm. where i would say cyberpunk for me is kind of but not always near future Mm-hmm. Near future science fiction that is primarily concerned with artificial intelligence, virtual reality, interconnected computing, and definitions of human and transhumanism. Okay. So the, the whole privatization thing doesn't play into it for you I as think, part of Well, that. all of the cyberpunk I've written mm-hmm. deals extremely heavily with privatization. Yes. It's one of my favorite themes within it. Mm-hmm. I don't consider it intrinsic to the okay. genre. Okay. So famous cyberpunk media that you might have heard of, The Matrix then counts, but kind of classic ones are Blade Runner and Max Hedrum, kind of being like that 80s whatever in the film world. And in the book world, it's the works of William Gibson, and it's the- Yeah, George Alec Effinger, who wrote When Gravity Falls. He's also kind of one of the godfathers of it. Mm -hmm. Bruce Sterling- Yep. To lesser extent, I think Ian McDonald. It might be insulting to say to lesser extent about him, but I think his work covers a wider range of things. Yeah. yeah. Not Philip K. Dick, despite the movie well, being... Yeah, I wouldn't consider Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep to be especially cyberpunky. Yeah, it, I don't, I've read the me. book and I don't know that I would either. I mean, how about this? Philip K. Dick, I'll offer this as a suggestion, you can tell mm-hmm. me if I'm right or wrong, is much like Deep Purple is to metal. Metal didn't really exist as a genre when Deep Purple, the band, was doing their stuff, but then Mm -hmm. was a huge inspiration for the start of the metal movement and was one of those kind of key precursors that led into what became metal music. I would make the argument that Philip K. Dick and his whole what does it mean to be human and sort of stuff was one of these presagings of what became cyberpunk in the 80s. I think that that is a good way of phrasing it. Definitely. I think that it makes a lot of sense 
when Ridley Scott was adapting to Android's Dream yes. of Electric Sheep that he's like, oh, well, we'll do this as a cyberpunk thing and create this very neuromancer-inspired world yeah. that isn't really there in the books. But yeah, Philip K. Dick was absolutely dealing with a lot of these same questions. Where's the line between reality and virtual reality? When mm -hmm. does artificial intelligence become actual intelligence? Yeah. And those are questions that cyberpunk is, is deeply concerned with. So you have written cyberpunk? I have. It's called mm -hmm. Blue Screen, which Blue Screen. is like yes. one of the most cyberpunky titles you could have come up with. <laughs> yes. So. And I love it. Blue Screen, Ones and Zeros, uh -huh. and Active Memory. Those are my three uh -huh. cyberpunk things. Have you so. done any like short fiction or things like that? Actually, a friend of mine is putting together or was putting together. I don't know if this is still happening, actually, as cyberpunk anthology and got agreements from... Bruce Sterling, William Gibson, uh -huh. and the guy that wrote the cyberpunk video game, whose name oh, I can't remember, okay. and I feel like an idiot because he's you know, one of the godfathers of the genre. Those three guys, and then he asked me if I wanted to be the other headliner, and I'm like, excuse yeah. me while I pee myself. That's pretty and nice. And so I have written a story and sent it to him, and I don't know. There's been some trouble with that particular publishing company. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I hope it does, fingers crossed, but we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because I know a lot of people, and you were one of them, who when you everyone saw the boom of dystopian in YA, and dystopian in mm -hmm. sci-fi fantasy was a 60s and 70s subgenre yep. that was super huge. And a lot of the famous stories that you know of, Harrison Bergeron, which I've brought up numerous mm -hmm. times, but also, you know, the Soylent Green and all of this stuff was mm -hmm. written in the 60s and 70s where science fiction turned a social science eye toward what was going on in the yeah. world and away from kind of the space opera or hard science fiction mm -hmm. things. And a lot of people said, hmm, you don't say that YA has suddenly hit and discovered that subgenre and i mean i've often said that's the one that got away like we all should have sometime been like wait a minute most dangerous game plus teenagers in <laughs> a science fiction setting is like the most perfect pitch yeah the dystopian wave was like i don't think every literary movement was inevitable but that one i think was that one was yeah and i would say that it started even before hunger games it was yeah. uglies and scott westerfeld yes. that really said hey guess what ya let me introduce you to dystopian science fiction. Yes. And Uglies is very good. You guys yeah. should read it. Phenomenal series. But I didn't finish my thought. I know a lot of people, you included, who yes. said, hmm, what was the next major subgenre <laughs> that hit science fiction? Mm -hmm. Maybe we're just living a few decades in the past in YA, and the next thing will be cyberpunk. Maybe it will. It was not. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. I published Blue Screen, uh -huh. a solid... Five, six years too early. Maybe even more than that. I don't know that it even ever hit, did it? Yeah, it didn't like, really when well. When you did Blue Screen, a bunch of other ones came out. Not a ton, but it was definitely yeah. a little mini boom yeah. of mm -hmm. them. Here's the problem, mm -hmm. okay? Cyberpunk, as most people think of it, as the video game, which is how most people know about yeah. it, presents it, is hopelessly mired in what we used to think the future would look like yeah. in the 80s. Yep. Everyone is endlessly recycling William Gibson, mm -hmm. whereas William Gibson has actually moved on. Yes. And you look at the peripheral, mm -hmm. he is producing modern cyberpunk. He is doing the same ideas, but in a way that feels modern instead of feels retro modern. Mm 
Right. Cyberpunk, the video game is very retro modern. And a lot of cyberpunk media that I've yeah. experienced is it a shoots lot of mine for an 80s, well, frankly, 80s aesthetic even at times and things mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I was trying to do some new things. Mm-hmm. I did not push as far as I could have, maybe should have. It I felt, won't go that far and say it. It did not feel backward looking to me. I mean, the mere fact that it's about people playing professional esports, which is not mm-hmm. something that was posited. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like if you go to the cyberpunk, they're sports, but it's blood sports. It's not electronic sports necessarily. Mm-hmm. Unless, do you count Tron? Tron? Is Tron cyberpunk? Ooh, Tron might be cyberpunk. I mean, it's definitely about AI and virtual reality. And an right? oppressive sort of. Oppressive, privatized yeah. corporation that's mm-hmm. toying with human lives. Yeah. I would probably say that Tron is Tron is cyberpunk. I mean, Tron Legacy seems very obviously looking at mm-hmm. being cyberpunk, but I wonder if yeah. original Tron, I, I wonder if it came out just a little too early to be considered part of that big wave, but... Possibly. Yeah. And, and I, I want to keep going on this, but mm-hmm. before we totally leave the specter of YA dystopia that you raised, yeah. I think it's interesting, in line with our conversation about naming genres, mm-hmm. YA dystopia was such a massive massive thing that a lot of the teenagers that I talked to, you know, 10 mm-hmm. years ago when my YA series was big, dystopia for them, for many many people had become the umbrella term for all science fiction. Yeah. And after the dystopia thing was kind of dying down, and then the next little wave of YA was not dystopian, but still science fiction. All the kids still called them dystopias because that's what they'd been taught right. that was called. Mm-hmm. And for many of them, that was the only science fiction they'd ever read. And so dystopia was just the word for science fiction, which I find really interesting and weird. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I noticed was. that as well. The generatization of a term like that Genericization? Genericization. I think Is you that might a word? be right. Generic. It's a word now. Genera. G- genericization. <laughs> the term becoming generic. I know it's a term. I just don't know what the actual genericification. Yes. Now that one sounds the best. Actually, <laughs> I don't think that's what it is, but it does sound the best. So, cyberpunk. Yeah. Cyberpunk. So I ran across mm-hmm. a few years ago, Imogen Heap. Are you familiar with her? She's a yes. musician. Mm-hmm. She is, for example. I think one of the best examples of modern cyberpunk. Okay. You can look up on YouTube videos of her basically writing, performing, and editing music live on stage using, you know, human technology peripherals mm-hmm. that she herself has helped to invent and program. And she, you know, through hand movements and spatial recognition technology, you know, has come up with gestures that will loop a sound or that will change a tone or that will do these things. That is the melding of human and technology that technology is going for, that that cyberpunk is going for, and is incredibly modern and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the cyberpunk fiction we are creating is still just spinning its wheels in this very neuromancer wannabe kind of era rather than embracing these new ideas that we're seeing in the world around us. Though at the same time, I agree with you, by the way. That's a very cool point that I had never thought of and is really interesting. Awesome. So I don't want to move on from it too quickly without highlighting that. But (laughs) I do want to point out, at the same time, cyberpunk is one of those areas 
where we are trying to sculpt the modern, not just fiction, but the modern experience Mm -hmm. to match science fiction. Rather than science fiction presaging things, instead, science fiction is inspiring the future in ways that are, in some ways, maybe not working so well. For instance, I think the whole metaverse thing, Mm -hmm. right, with Facebook trying so hard and everyone trying so hard for VR is because Cyberpunk has taught us this will be the big next revolution. Yeah. And for 30 years now, it's been saying this is going to be the big revolution, jacking in and wetware and things like this. And everyone's like, oh, the science fiction, we can make it real now. Mm -hmm. And they're trying so hard. And the public just doesn't want it. Yeah. Not in the way envisioned in the 80s. I mean, not to say that VR isn't cool, but it just is not working. We're not creating VR spaces for people to go live in in the same way that everyone thought. Maybe maybe we are just well too early. Yeah, and it it might be that our technology just hasn't hit the point Mm -hmm. that we need to yet. Like, I've got a friend who frequently suggests that the best way to have you know, a a modern conversation or a digital conference or something like that is this website. And I can't remember the name of it. It's Mm -hmm. basically looks like an 8-bit video game, like an old Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy, where you have a character and there's rooms and you can walk around in and and you can talk on your mic to people who are standing near you. One of the many of these sorts of things. I know there are. It's cute and it's adorable, Mm -hmm. but it is at least two layers of unnecessary obfuscation when all you really need is video conferencing, right? Yep. Like you get in Discord or you get in Zoom or whatever, and you can do the exact same thing, arguably much better and much easier. When we try to recreate human interactions, they fall apart. Yeah. Part of me wonders if it's just like one of these things like flying cars, Mm -hmm. you know, if you go the generation before cyberpunk, what they thought the future would be would be flying cars. And it turns out Nobody really, I mean, we all kind of think we want flying cars, but we don't really. We don't actually want those. No. They're, I don't want my neighbor crashing into my yeah. upper floor. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the amount of the amount of fuel it costs and things like this, it's just completely unnecessary. It's not a step we need to take. So have you heard the joke about that? What's that? Someone on Twitter said, stop asking for your flying car. If you were born in the 80s or afterwards, the future you were promised was Dismal online life run entirely by corporations, and you've got it. Stop complaining. (laughs) And I wonder, I wonder if this like VR metaverse thing is just one of those things. We don't actually want it. We have a surprising number of things that Cyberpunk predicted, Mm -hmm. and that's not one of them. I do think wetware we're going to want. Cybernetic enhancements, bionics. Like, we are really, it feels like on the cusp of that as accessibility devices and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be great yeah. for society. And, you know, we, we're we not really on the cusp of that. We have them already. We have them. We're on the cusp um, of it being really common. Once it gets and, to elective surgery, yeah, that's what we're not really seeing yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we have ocular implants that mm-hmm. can help blind people see through digital eyes. Like, we have a lot of those really cool things. Do you remember seeing, this was years ago, there was a guy who had installed this big kind of spatial awareness antenna in his head. And he was kind of famous for it. Not hugely famous, but I you can look him up and this. he almost looks yeah. like an angler fish with this mm-hmm. with this thing. I actually saw him in person hmm. in uh, an airport security line when I lived in Germany. 
And he was just there and he had this big antenna Mm -hmm. that he had had implanted and, uh, you know, could do some very cool and interesting things. But it made it almost impossible for him to get through this security line. It took him a much longer time than it took any of us because he had to explain, no, I can't remove it. It's an implant. Yes, I did it on purpose. You know, all of this stuff. Yeah, we're we're not really seeing that aspect of it. Nope. And we also aren't seeing the things I want to see, which I think, I hope we will get to, like the true wetware bionics. Now we are seeing some of it with vision and with hearing and things like this, but Mm -hmm. we have very cool bionic arms right now, but they are generally controlled by your toes or by other, like your- I thought they they had brainwave ones. They have brainwave ones, but those aren't the ones that you're seeing that are are working really well. The ones that you're seeing that are working really well, as I understand, are you control it with your toes, you tap and things like that. Those are the ones that are actually functional to a degree that they they really work well. Yeah. Now, we've got the brainwave stuff. That's why I say we're on the cusp. And as I understand, we're on the cusp of being able to just think and grab. But that I don't believe is practical yet. In yeah. the comments, they can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But mm-hmm. I, I was watching Even someone- if that technology yeah. is practical, it's certainly not prevalent. Yeah. Right? For me, the actual cyberpunk future will be when that becomes elective. Right. When you are not just replacing- a missing or damaged limb, but you say, hey, you know what would make me so much better as my job as a bouncer or a whatever, a soldier in the army? Mm-hmm. Cutting off my arm and getting a mechanical one. And if we get to the point where that genuinely is better, then that is a very different future we've arrived at. So what's your opinion on using punk as a catch-all for all science fiction subgenres. For those who don't know, because cyberpunk was such a famous science fiction subgenre, Mm -hmm. around the time you started to see the rise of punk as As, a suffix. Yeah, a suffix that means science fiction storytelling about this. Yes. So there's steampunk, which is the other huge one. Right, which kind of works because you still, you got some punk aspect to the steampunk. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, Bit of a different style the, of the punk. The kind of DIY, yeah. look at this mm-hmm. thing I made. And uh, visually out yeah. of the norm, we're going to... And so the punk kind of works for that. But then you get to like splatter punk and you get to mage punk and you get to all Diesel these things. Punk, Diesel sandal punk, sandal yeah. punk. Mm-hmm. Sandal punk is literally just fantasy that takes place in a world inspired by or analogous to ancient Rome. Yep. Like it, there's no punk aspects to it whatsoever. It's just... Fantasy based on ancient Rome. Yep. I find that to be frustrating and obnoxious, but I can understand why they do it because people instantly know what it means, right? Yeah. If I say this is a diesel punk story, even if you've never heard diesel punk before, uh-huh. you can probably kind of sort of imagine the types of visuals and ideas that are right. present in the story. It's a video game called Frostpunk. Frostpunk. Yes. Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of it, okay. but I don't know anything about it. What would you guess Frostpunk is? I would guess that Frostpunk is a science fiction that takes place after a new Ice Age has there you moved go. in. Yeah, and that's what it is? There you go. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it is useful. It's a useful term. I mm-hmm. think I am disappointed that punk is the term we decided to use for that. Yeah, that's just very not but punk. But I right? can't think of any other word that we could say, okay, everyone use this instead. Yes. And and then everyone would instantly understand it and accept it. It's like kind of how adding gate to something 
to make a scandal is really a dumb way yeah. to indicate it's a scandal. It just it sounds so dumb to me every time. <laughs> and yet it is a useful tool. We know. Yes. We know mm. what it means. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What are some of your favorite cyberpunk properties? So the only one you've yeah. mentioned so far that you've read is Snow Crash. Snow Crash I've read. I have read some William Gibson. So I read Johnny Mnemonic when the movie came out. And I actually didn't ever get around to seeing the movie, but I enjoyed Johnny Mnemonic. It's okay. it's, uh, the uh, story's great. The movie yeah. is It's not a full not book, though. Good. That's just a short story. It's, it's pretty short. And I so I've read some William Gibson. I have seen a bunch of films, but I've read Blue Screen. I don't know that I'm really well steeped, like I said. Mm -hmm. Like, I can notice it when it comes up in a book. Like, is Mr. Boy, would you call it cyberpunk? Mr. Boy? Yeah, one that's a Nebula Award winning. I don't think it counts as cyberpunk. It's actually a really great story. It's about a world where you can stunt children's growth to keep them young as long as you want. Oh. And it's about a young man who's... His mom is, and you can body modify any way you want. So his Mm -hmm. mom is a replica of the Statue of Liberty. Oh. She's changed herself into that. Okay. His best friend is a dinosaur because his body modification to be a dinosaur. And he calls himself Mr. Boy because he's been stunted for like 20 years to be like nine years old or whatever, 11, Mm. just before Mm -hmm. puberty because his mom doesn't want her boy to grow up. Yeah. And it's just kind of a day that in the life of Mr. Boy. unsettling. Yes. Oh, it's a lot totally. of really good cyberpunk yeah. is. And I don't know if it counts because it's not dealing with a lot of these themes, but at the same time, it's a, it's a really great story yeah. that I would recommend. Well, you know, one of the themes of cyberpunk that is super yeah. common and we haven't talked about is the kind of noir detective thing. Oh, yeah. Which, again, is very yeah. William Gibson, right? Yep. That's mm-hmm. what Neuromancer is about. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people consider it to be a core part of cyberpunk. I have read Neuromancer, so I should list that. Have you read others in the series? I have not. The second one in that trilogy is Count Zero, and the third Mm -hmm. one is Mona Lisa Overdrive. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, they get better as they go. I mean, he's a fantastic writer, so I'm He's 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 incredible. uh, I personally don't consider the noir aspect to be core to what cyberpunk is. Yeah. But a lot of it still is. Like, that's still the types of stories that a lot of people are telling like when i did blue screen mm-hmm. you know you look at the cover of blue screen and it is it's a gorgeous cover but it is absolutely the kind of dark at night steel neon canyon which is the sprawl trilogy my story is set in los angeles which is bright and sunny and most things are two or three stories at the very most and i really went out of my way to try to migrate cyberpunk into this Mm-hmm. Very different setting. Effinger does the same thing. And when gravity falls, it's kind of this more Middle Eastern thing. It's not in a giant steel canyon city. Mm-hmm. But for people's brains, what they see when you say cyberpunk is, you know, Night City from the video game. It's this big, it's huge. Flying through the city in yeah. Blade Runner. And, yep. and it's hard to break out of that because mm-hmm. people still have this sense of, oh yeah, cyberpunk is going to take place in a city. It's going to be a detective story. Everyone in it is going right. to be sad. Blade Runner, again, like, that yeah. noir detective. All and the signs are going to be in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Like, where did the intersection of Japanese culture and cyberpunk, where did that start? Like, I think it came about simply because it started in the 80s, right? Maybe, like, yeah. I remember being in elementary school and you know they were telling us we all needed to learn Japanese. You know, the future mm-hmm. of our economy is 
not just global, but very specifically Japan. Uh-huh. And I don't think kids today realize how deeply we thought Japan itself was the future of world power and technology back when you and I were in elementary school. I and think so, you are right. But I mean, Japanese media has to have contributed to this, right? Like that's yeah, the same sure. time people were kind of really in the States experiencing Japanese media. And I think you can find a decent amount of Japanese media that would also be cyberpunk as mm -hmm. a lot of the the anime yeah. during the time would have been picking up on these same vibes and things yeah. like that. Uh, you look at the the cyberpunk stuff that was there mm -hmm. when things like Blade Runner were being created and it's Bubblegum Crisis yeah. and Ghost in the Shell and these yeah. kind of Ghost in the very, like very, very Japanese mm -hmm. things. Like even Metal Gear seems to edge once in a while toward cyberpunk sort of themes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, Well, and a lot of the really exciting science fiction back then, mm -hmm. whether it was cyberpunk or not, Robotech and things like that. So I can totally understand why that came about. So there you go. There you go. Ben. There you go. Ben. Ben. There you go, Ben. Ben. <laughs>